Sports Podcast. As always, Stephanie and Kayla here as your wonderful hostesses. So Stephanie, how are you doing? Anything new or exciting going on with you? So my daughter has learned how to fake cry. Um, it, it's hard because I, I know that she has a legitimate need or want that she is trying to communicate, but I really wish that she could do it literally any other way other than the <laughs> fake cry. <laughs> it, is, it is driving me crazy. Yeah, I bet. How about you? Okay, so, you know, since this whole thing's been going on, the pandemic thing, I guess, uh, the kids wanted bikes. So, you know, their birthdays are both in the summer, so we got them bikes as an early birthday present. Well, with bikes comes a lot of freedom. A lot more freedom than, I guess, what we are used to. They can cover more ground. They can get a little farther than home than what we are typically accustomed to them going. And they can just bounce from house to house without having to, you know, having us know where they're at, I guess, at all times. So we have this thing on our phones called 360 and you can literally look at it and you can see the picture of the house that they are sitting in front of. So my husband likes to look at this quite a bit when they leave the house um, and gets kind of frustrated if they're somewhere where they're not supposed to be. Whereas I kind of think back like, you know, we had that was such a fun freedom as a kid to like get on your bike and just go ride without having to constantly, you know, be in touch with your parents where it's harder these days for them to get away with that. So I am very excited for today's podcast uh, because we are going to talk about how to parent together successfully and what to do when maybe it isn't going successful because he is a little more strict on that than I am. So this will be kind of fun to learn as we go along. An important piece of parenting is working well with the other parent. Often the term we hear is co-parenting, and it is often in the context of divorce or separation. Whether you are still together or separated or were never in a relationship, you need to find a way to parent together. So we will use the term cohesive parenting to hopefully be more inclusive and to more accurately describe what successful parenting together can look like. I love the term cohesive. So cohesive means united, and that is exactly how we want to parent as one team. Cohesive parenting is parents or caregivers working together amicably to support and promote the well-being of their children. There are two important words in that definition, amicable and children. So first, parents are working together amicably. Amicable means friendly or peacefully. So basically, be nice. Cohesive parenting is not arguing and fighting about the well-being of your children. It's talking nicely. Secondly, it's all about the kids. Every decision, every conversation should be focused on the child. Their well-being is the ultimate goal of every decision made for them, and it always needs to be the focus. So in my old age, (laughs) I've learned that often the first step in addressing any issue or making any changes is usually to start with myself and to gain some perspective on what's going on. And cohesive parenting is no different. And you're so old, Stephanie. (laughs) (laughs) My birthday is coming up, so. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Okay, so what better place to start than to think of how you personally contribute to the conflicts? For example, have you been unkind to the other parent? What bad communication habits do you have? Have you been inflexible? You know, it's really easy to say yes, but to these questions. So yes, I am unkind, but the other parent was unkind first. And I will admit, I, I would be one of those people. <laughs> you know, but we have to take responsibility for our own behavior. Regardless of what the other person does, if we are unkind or inflexible, then we are just adding to the conflict. You know, it can also help to think about the feelings or beliefs behind those behaviors and address those. Maybe we tend to interrupt or talk over the other parent. 
And maybe we do that because we can't stand feeling unheard or ignored. It's helpful to acknowledge and look for ways to address that need without talking over the other parent. So I know sometimes my communication skills are not great. Like instead of being loud or talking over the other parent, I tend to shut down where I don't say anything at all, where my husband is definitely the one who gets loud and talks over. And I think that has a lot to do with I'm kind of nervous or more afraid of that my opinion won't be valued. So I just completely shut down. And the boys definitely notice it to where they even like look at dad and wonder like, why is he being mean to mom? Why is he talking over her? And why is she just sitting there without a smile on her face, not saying anything? And she just looks like she's in a bad mood. Um, So I know it is affecting them. So it's good to think about how... Our children are being effective. We know that children need safe, stable relationship and environments for a healthy development. And it's easy to discount how conflict between two parents could disrupt that. Safety and stability in their relationships could be negatively affected by inconsistent access to one parent or access that doesn't match what the child needs, hearing criticism or hostility between the parents. The safety and stability in the environment is negatively affected by open conflict, inconsistent routines, and boundaries between the parents. You know, thinking about how my behavior is affecting the situation and my daughter is how I evaluate what I'm doing. You know, sometimes, often, I can justify my behavior. I honestly believe I'm doing the right thing. But when I think about how it affects her, I realize that it's not the best way. So when my husband and I are in disagreement, it is very hard to speak calmly and kindly. Mm -hmm. Like, Really, really <laughs> super, super hard. Yes. You know, we're, we're upset. We're frustrated. And I, I want to argue until he realizes that I'm right. And, you know, he is just waiting for are, me. Right? Right. Yes, because I'm right. <laughs> and he's just waiting for me to realize that he is right. It, it happens sometimes. But we also know that our toddler does not understand the intricacies of that moment. And the only thing that she sees is us yelling and being unkind to each other. And she feels that tension in the house. She isn't in danger, but she may feel insecure and unsafe in that moment. And I don't ever want her to feel unsafe or insecure in her own home. So, you know, we're not perfect, but we make an effort to keep our home peaceful. Now, that doesn't mean we never disagree, but we're trying to find ways to disagree and work things out without threatening her sense of safety. And that really leads us into this first element of cohesive parenting. I think you're perfect, Stephanie. Thank you. Okay, so what Stephanie is talking about is civility. In other terms, just be nice. Be respectful and kind at all times. If there is any time when you are not respectful or kind, acknowledge it and take responsibility for it. Be aware of nonverbal communication. Your body language, tone of voice, and facial expressions are all part of that message. Assume good intentions. Has anyone ever met someone who really wanted to be a bad parent? I haven't. I sure haven't either. (laughs) So assume that the other parent is doing the best they can with the information that they have. If being friendly or kind seems like that would be hard due to the relationship or lack of one, think about how you would talk to a colleague in a professional setting. At work, you can't scream and call someone names if you don't agree with them, right? Nope. Or you're not supposed to. You really shouldn't. (laughs) We don't advise that. Um, use the same kind of language with the other parent as you would use with a coworker. You can talk nicely and respectfully to someone you are actively disagreeing with. In 
order to parent together, you must have healthy communication. If you remain calm and understanding, you will be able to communicate your concerns clearly and find a win-win solution. <gasps> There's that win-win phrase again. Don't you just love hearing it? It makes you feel like you can take on this parenting challenge. Um, I don't know why I say win-win solution (laughs) so often, but, you know, it's a really good goal to have. You know, the first step in in effective communication is to view yourselves as one team. So it's us against the problem, not you against each other. And find the things that you agree on, the hopes and dreams for your child, the desire to ensure your child is not negatively affected. You know, noticing and acknowledging the things that you do agree on can be a welcome reprieve when you are talking about something you don't agree on. Try to identify the concern and talk about each parent's perspective. All perspectives are valid and both parents are probably right to some degree. Once you both understand the concern and understand each perspective, (laughs) seek a win-win solution. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Try to focus on one issue at a time and don't let relationship baggage enter the conversation. Really just focus on what you're trying to decide together. If things start feeling like they're getting heated, if either parent is struggling to remain respectful or is struggling to talk through the issue, take a break. Agree to take a break before the conversation escalates into an argument. You know, scientists have said that it takes at least 20 minutes for the body to calm down. So wait at least that long before Mm -hmm. you resume the conversation. So Kayla, can you think back on your time in your long, long, long 13 years of marriage when you and your husband used healthy communication to work out a parenting disagreement? Oh, 13 years. Now that makes me sound really old. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I can't think of a certain time, but I know we do disagree and sometimes argue over how to discipline our boys. Like I'm a little more lenient if they aren't home right away when they say they're going to be or if they forget to let us know when they switch houses in the neighborhood which kind of I talked about earlier before, where he is more lenient on their bedtimes and schedules, and I am not. I know there has been times I have asked him, you know, I feel really strong about them going to bed at a certain time because of their attitudes the next day. I would really like you to support me on this, even if you don't. And, you know, he's even had to say to me, can I please ask you to go along with me on this when you go to a different neighbor's house to let us know? I would really like you to support me on this one, even if you don't agree. I don't know for certain if it's the right decision, but I get is telling me we should know where they're at. I really appreciate it if you would support me. When we kind of put it in those words, you see it more from their perspective and it makes it easier to get the other ones back, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. You know, my husband and I have probably had 1,000 discussions about <laughs> discipline. And I, yeah, I (laughs) wish I was exaggerating that number. You know, at first it seemed like we would never agree. We were just too different and it was hard for both of us. He wanted to discipline just like his parents did because he felt it worked well. And I wanted to discipline differently than I had been because of all that I have learned in school and through my work. But it wasn't until we really started focusing on what our goal for discipline was, we found that we actually had more in common than we thought. You know, he wanted our children to learn right from wrong and learn what they need to know to be healthy adults. I want that too. I also wanted to help my children learn self-regulation through the process. So once we established that we had the same goal, it was easier to work out the details from there. Every smaller decision we made, we ensured that it supported the larger goal we both shared. Hmm. It sounds like through um, our experiences with healthy communication that we are actually able to present a united front. Yes, which leads us into our next topic. Once we are being nice and communicating in a respectful way, the next goal is to provide a united front for the child. This provides the stable environments and relationships we mentioned earlier. To do that, do three things with every major decision. One, discuss it. 
Two, decide together. Three, enforce consistently. Sounds easy enough, right? Mm -hmm. The idea is to have consistency on major aspects of your child's lives. Think behavior expectations, routines, schedule, and discipline. This does not mean that each parent will parent the exact same way. It does mean that they agreed on shared goals and boundaries that can be used by each parent to make decisions independently. So for example, let's say both parents decided that it was important that their child does their homework each day and has a consistent bedtime. One parent may insist that the child does their homework right after school. The other may have the child work on their homework while dinner is cooking. They are both following what they agreed on by ensuring homework is completed and it does not interfere with bedtime, but are able to make smaller decisions independently. That's a really good point, Kayla. So part of being a united front is to back up the other parent's decisions and save disagreement for a later conversation, who expects that the other parent had a good reason for the decision they made. Sometimes as parents, we have to make decisions on the fly and we won't be able to consult the other parent first. Mm -hmm. So it's really good to give them the benefit of the doubt and then bring up that situation later and talk through it. When you are trying to decide together how to handle a certain situation, think about what you want your child to learn from it. Maybe it's important that your child understands that sometimes responsibilities come before fun or it's important to respect their parents and make sure that the way that you both decide to handle the situation moving forward is accomplishing that. I run into this sometimes when my husband is home with my daughter. She takes her nap at a certain time and has a set time for nighttime too that we agreed on together. So if I'm gone and come home to realize that he's an hour late getting her down for her nap or bedtime or she's eating crackers on the couch and watching a movie when she should be asleep, I take a breath and I assume the best. Toddlers aren't easy and some days it is just survival. If she is late for her nap or bedtime, I assume that my husband has a good reason for what is happening. Oh my gosh, I remember those days. My husband drove me crazy about his whole attitude about nap time and basically the whole toddler schedule. He thought I was too nuts with the entire schedule situation you nuts about a schedule that's so weird i I know like i don't (laughs) care about scheduling (laughs) i don't have calendars like all over my house and color coordinated (laughs) and everything no that's not me (laughs) um he still is like that to this day i feel like i'm just completely bagging on (laughs) our husbands are great yeah he is a great guy and you know he's he's an amazing dad Like I said before, my husband is not a big enforcer at bedtime because he is a night owl. So I think he thinks everyone else needs to be a night owl as well. And he did not get that in me. So um, while they stay up late, they do like to play Fortnite and they like to play it together. And I get it. My husband works. The boys have homework, practice, dinner. So by the time all that is over, it is late. I go to bed early. So sometimes I just don't know when they go to bed. But I sure know the next day. (laughs) So obviously this has caused disagreements behind closed doors because I know they enjoy that time together, but they still need sleep. We had to reach some sort of agreement. We decided on weekends and non-school days, as long as they did not have things going on the next morning, they could have those late night play dates. I understood in this situation that even though it was hard, very hard for me to let them stay up late, I know that time with their dad is important. I'm glad you mentioned that last statement because the next topic is about focusing on your child. So your number one priority is the child. Every conversation, every decision, everything should be in the best interest of the child, even if it doesn't feel fair to you or the other parent, even if it is inconvenient, and even if it's hard to do. A healthy, loving relationship with both parents is ideal. So encourage your child's relationship with the other parent. Help the child remember birthdays and help them get or make gifts for the other parent. Never let quality time become a weapon or punishment between you and the other parent. Also, protect your child from any anger, arguments, or fighting. 
Keep them out of the middle of the partnership between parents. Communicate directly with the other parent. Don't send messages through your child. Speak peacefully together when in the presence of your child. I'm sure we all agree that we want our children to learn healthy communication skills from us, and seeing their parents talk respectfully to each other is a great way to model these skills. Another way to focus on your child is to pay attention and intentionally check in with them. Conflict in the home, parental separation, or even parents who are never together can be a hard thing for children to process. Be available to support them and listen to them, and be aware of how things are talked about. There is a difference between visit at your dad's house versus time at your house with dad. It may be subtle to us, but it could be a big deal to your child. There is a difference between visiting someone else's home and spending time at your home with someone else. We already mentioned not being critical or putting down the other parent around your children, but that recommendation falls in this category as well. Regardless of your relationship status, you both are your child's parent, a beloved piece of their family. It is hurtful to hear someone speak critically of someone you love, right? It's even harder when it is someone you love being critical of someone else you love, and it's even harder when it's your parents. Remember, your child identifies as a product of each of you and knows, or will eventually, that they get a lot of their characteristics and qualities from each of you. If they hear comments about how terrible their other parent is, they may attribute those critiques to themselves as well. Try identifying positive qualities that your child shares with their other parent. Do they share a love of the outdoors? Are they both night owls? <laughs> Mentioning these will help show your child positive traits they have and support their positive identification with both parents. Hmm. Also, both caregivers involved are only human, so you'll both have to be flexible, which leads us in to our last and final topic. So life happens, right? We have all had a day where things don't go as planned, and despite your best efforts, the day is chaos. It happens. I know to me quite frequently. And it will happen to the other parent as well. Be understanding when things don't go like you had planned. Neither of you is perfect, but if you are making an effort to work together, that is what is important. Extend the same flexibility and understanding that you would want in return. Secondly, equal is not fair. Being child-focused should be the priority, and there may be times when this causes things to be unequal. Let's say you have an agreement where your child spends weekends with you, and you always take your child to church with you on Sunday. But one weekend, the other parent plans a really special outing for your child. Losing out on a weekend that should have been yours will likely feel very unequal, and it probably won't feel very fair. But how much would this experience mean to your child and their relationship with that parent? The child should take precedence in this situation, even though it causes an unequal balance in time and even though it might not feel fair. If one parent works really late into the evening, splitting bedtime routine duty 50-50 may be equal, but it's not really fair. There may need to be a conversation about other options. Perhaps one parent takes over the morning routine while the other does bedtime routines. In your conversations, keep the best interests of your children as your number one priority and make decisions that are the best for them. Be willing to have outcomes that feel unequal or unfair. When I started working with KCSL, I was getting home later due to my long commute, which means I don't get to see my daughter for very long in the evenings. My husband cooks dinner and he cleans up the kitchen every day during the week. I give my daughter her bath and do her bedtime routine with her. Being the only person who cooks and does dishes during the week certainly doesn't sound fair. But for our daughter, she gets time to spend with her dad before dinner, before I get home, and then she gets to spend time with her mom during her bedtime routine. So while it isn't a fair or equal deal for us, I'm more unfair for my husband, um, it is a really great arrangement for her, and that is what was important. 
Good for you guys. I'm sure that is tough trying to balance busy schedules with a toddler and getting to have that one-on-one time with her. Honestly, we are that family that, yep, today did not go as planned. So either I am calling my husband or he is calling me halfway into the day because something came up to who originally was going to be home or take to a practice or pick up from a friend's house cannot happen due to something coming up at work or whatever, which is fine. It happens all the time. We figure it out together, just may have to shift some things around, keep the boys in the know, and we make it work. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready for those days. No. (laughs) Teamwork definitely makes the dream work in that situation, Stephanie. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) What do you do if it isn't working? So if the relationship with the other parent is too toxic, and what if they're not doing any of the things that we had talked about? Ooh, good question. So first, give it time. If the interactions you have been having have been high conflict, it may take time before the other parent sees and trusts that things are really changing. So continue with the things we have talked about and let the other parent know what you are doing, the new boundaries, and be consistent. If the interaction is toxic or the other person isn't willing to work with you, consider parallel parenting. If you are in this situation and married, I would recommend marriage counseling. Yeah, so for those who have not heard the term, parallel parenting involves little to no contact between parents. If there is communication, it's kept brief and to the point. Both parents would have a specific strict parenting plan, and you might need to consult a mediator to help set up that parenting plan. Now, I I would always recommend trying to parent together if at all possible. In parallel parenting, the child loses consistency between homes, loses the model of a healthy relationship, and loses the flexibility to make temporary changes if it's in the child's best interest. I would only recommend this as a last resort. Thank you for explaining that for us, Stephanie. Also, if you believe your child is in danger, report the situation. While it is best for your child to have a relationship with both parents, it is still vitally important to ensure your child is safe when they are with their other parent. If you have a reason to believe they are not safe, you should report the situation so it can be evaluated. So we really hope this podcast helped you understand cohesive parenting more or differently. We would love to hear any feedback or questions you may have on today's topic. You can email them to pinwheels at kcsl.org and don't forget to subscribe. So Stephanie, what are we going to go over on our next podcast? On our next episode, we will talk about how to start decoding your child's behavior. Ooh. If you need more information, you have questions, need resources, or just need to talk to somebody, remember you can call 1-800-CHILDREN 24-7 and talk to a real person. And remember, in this crazy world of parenting, you are never alone. Thanks for listening.